Well, good day to you. I'm Joel. Happy Mom's Day. And uh, if you've had any role in helping to raise a kid, uh, thank you for that. I certainly appreciate it. My mom is actually here today. I'm not going to let you know who she is because I'm afraid what you'll tell her. Um, But uh, she doesn't normally get to come visit very often at all. So it's good to just recognize uh, the gift that God's given me in that. Uh, Today's actually all about relationships. we just walked through scripture here if you're new. We're in a series called Restore, 1 Corinthians. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 today. You're going to see a miracle. I'm going through an entire chapter today. Um, and uh, because there's one primary theme we got to get as we walk through this. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, series is called Restore. And we're looking at relationships. Guys, there's an axis in life, okay? It's called a relationship axis. God has created us to be in a healthy relationship vertically with him and horizontally with other people. Vertically with him, horizontally with other people. And we can struggle with that, all types of reasons why we struggle with it. But relationships really are the key aspect of life. In fact, relationships can be really joyful, right? You can be like, man, this is so good. And then relationships can be really hurtful. This is so painful. But it's really about relationships in my life. No matter what's happening, where I am, who I'm speaking with, the trauma and the confusion and the hardship that's taking place. If my relationship with God and my relationship with my spouse is healthy, I'm pretty good. I, I, can, I can get through it. I can get, I'm, I'm good. If my relationship with God and my relationship with my spouse isn't healthy though, if it's not good, everything just kind of sends me in that downward, downward spiral, right? And so it's all about relationship. And uh, today in 1 Corinthians chapter seven, we get to talk about those relationships. We're gonna be talking about marriage. We're gonna be talking about what it is to be single. We're gonna talk about divorce. We're gonna talk about faith in marriage. Um, isn't that fun? Isn't that great? If you're new, you're like, man, last week I came, you came for the first time. I talked about all about sex. Uh, and then this week, because it's 1 Corinthians 6. Here's what we do. We don't make up stuff. We just show you, we tell you what the word of God says. We walk through a book. It's the easiest way to do it. I don't have to make up anything. People still ask me, where do you get your material? It's called the Bible. That's it. If you listen online anywhere else, if they're not preaching for the word of God, stop listening. Right, so that's all we do, and we're going to be able to do that today. Now, let me go ahead and give you a little bit more background. Some of you know Paul's writing First Corinthians to what city? There you go. It's in the name, Corinthians. Corinth. Some people don't know that, which is cool. But I, so he's writing. It's not his first letter, but his first one that we have. But he references another letter that he wrote previously to them. So he's writing to them. We know sexual immorality is running rampant there. They do anything they want with anyone they want, no matter what. That is what it is. He comes to them and he's letting them know for the very first time, contextually, you got to get this. Because we come from very different contexts, especially in the Midwest and West Michigan. Very different contexts than what they're coming from. One, they're polytheistic. So they had multiple gods. So Paul's stepping in and going, no, there's one God. And he's given us marriage to live in the context of that relationship even sexually. So they're going, wait, one God, they're already thrown off. They're not even to the sex and the marriage part. They're going, one God? No, no, we make whatever gods up we want, right? Remember over 20 temples in Corinth, all different gods. 
whatever would serve their preference, whatever would serve the purpose that they wanted. And so here they are to hear Paul stepping in and speaking about marriage as a divine institution between them and God that is built on mutual respect, care, and commitment. It's like, what? So you hear that today. You may not like it. You may disagree with it, but you know from which context I'm speaking because you probably most likely have heard something of that just because of culturally what has happened. They're hearing it in terms of, wait, one God and now marriage. Wait, I thought I just had sex with anybody I want to. It doesn't matter if it's a marriage or not and do whatever I want to do. It's a lot easier that way. And Paul steps in and says, no, it's not like that. And in ancient Mesopotamia, which is where they were, marriage was really the only institution that it served was to raise kids. That's it. That's all that they had. It was contractual. It certainly wasn't a covenant between two people, male and female, and God. It was not a covenant that they had at all. Um, in Rome, two, purpose, two, two primary reasons you get married in Rome, social and political. That was it. So you would come and get married because it was a, it was a social thing. Would you benefit socially from being with a particular person or politically from being with that person? That was the reason you would get married in Rome. And so now they're bringing all of these ideas and everything else into the picture. And Paul is writing to them and saying, wait, no, there's more to this. And, and listen, when you only get married for political and social reasons, guess what comes from that? A bunch of affairs. So it was, it was also understood then that you, had, you were married in order to have kids, but you would have sex with other people for pleasure. That was expected. So you know that they're listening to Paul. Like some of you right away, this topic is, can be a bit bristling, abrasive toward me. Or, well, think about Paul. He's right, and this is their first notion of this, and they're going, wait a second. Listen, the number one reason people disagree with the word of God is not because they disagree with what God is saying. They disagree because they're living differently and they don't want to have conviction. And so Paul is writing this going, no, 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 don't you know that it's not like that? Also, of the day, women were certainly lesser, considered lesser than men. And Paul's about to refute that too and go, no, 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 no. This is what he's gonna do. He's gonna say one man and one woman for life. They're like, whoa. I'm with anybody I want to be with. He's going to let them know no sex outside of marriage. Oh, marriage is just to have babies, lots of rabbits, right? That's how they treated it. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. That's how they treated it. And then third, he's going to say husband and wives, they're of equal value and equal responsibility with each other. And the, all of that is going to just create a field day against Paul and just a a bit of tension when you know within the church because the church has adopted this mentality of all the sexual immorality. Remember Corinth, two seas, all these sailors would come in, over a thousand prostitutes every night would come down from the hillside, from the mountains and they would have their way, do anything they wanted to do and no consequence, no repercussions whatsoever. And Paul's going, no, 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 no. Here's the theme of the chapter though. The theme of the chapter is very simple. Live as you're called. Live abiding in Christ. Live for Jesus, regardless of the circumstance. 
Because he addresses marriage, he addresses being single, he addresses divorce, he addresses remarriage, he addresses living in a marriage with, with one being a faith and one not being a faith. All of this is in chapter seven, but it's, the theme is the same. The theme is this, because remember contextually who he's speaking to, they've never heard any of this. They're like live for Jesus regardless of what you've done in the past. Live for Jesus regardless of the mistakes that you've made. Live for Jesus no matter what. And he's even gonna present being a single is a benefit. He, he's like, and being listen, let me tell you right now, I've got, I've got a wife, I got four kids. They're expensive. Hey, hallelujah. Like, I love it. It's a gift. They're a lot of work. Everything I've turned around, I hear, I broke such and such dad, can you fix it? I'm like, I had plans not to fix your stuff today. You know what I'm saying? Like all this stuff comes into play. It's a lot where so Paul's going, listen, being married is good, that's great, but also being single is a gift. You're gonna get into that more. But he's saying all of this, let's relax a little bit and just serve the Lord. Live as you're called to live as a believer in Jesus Christ. Abide in Christ regardless of the circumstance. And so in order to address this, we're going to tackle 1 Corinthians 7, 17 through 24 first. It's the middle of the chapter because it's the theme. I think it conveys what is being spoken about the entirety of this portion of the book that is written to Corinth. And so if you would, please stand for the reading of the word of God. And this is going to be fun because if you're new, you get to read part, anything that's underlined. So you're going to begin. And you have to do well, because if you don't, we all know, if there's a service that doesn't do well, I mock you in the next service. <laughs> it's just what I do, we know how it is. So um, the last service was really good. First service, no, they weren't. Um, <laughs> but it's, this is good, so here we go. Um, this is the word of God, 1 Corinthians 7, 17 through 24, and you're on, one, two, three, go. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? This is the same bondservant that talks about the Virgin Mary when she was a bondservant of the Lord and she's acknowledging all that. It's just remarkable to me. Don't, don't, do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So here's the word of the Lord. He's saying, listen, here it is. They made a big deal about circumcision. He's like, if you've been circumcised, if you haven't been circumcised, don't make it about that. Just serve the Lord. 
If you're a slave, both literally or figuratively, spiritually, or any other way, because many of us are living in slavery, slavery. we're living according to our past rather than stepping into a future with Christ. We're living according to, oh man, this relationship with bad or man. I'm still living in misery over here. And we're living according to that. Friends, let me go ahead and address it right away. It doesn't matter if you're divorced. It doesn't matter if you're married. It doesn't matter if you're single. It doesn't matter if you're married to somebody who doesn't love the Lord. If you believe in Jesus Christ, your identity is a child of God. That is the identity, not all these other things. And sometimes we don't even give permission for other people to live outside of that identity. I mean, I, I, I can go into story after story. I know some people who lost one of their parents and their, their other parent has been single for years and years and years and they start dating somebody else and the kids freak out. Why? If it's of the Lord, Why? Deal with your pain, please. But don't project that pain onto other people and make them live in misery because you don't want to get over it. And so in today's society, in today's world, what we've done is we've taken scripture and you're going to see this in the chapter, in 1 Corinthians chapter seven, is sometimes we've taken scripture and we interpret it based on our preference rather than allowing our preference to be shaped by scripture. And you're going to see that over and over here because he's going, no, no, no. You keep being defined by other things. Listen, in all things, step aside from that, put it behind you and now live for Jesus. If you're a slave, you can live for Jesus. If you're a free man, you can live for Jesus in terms of literally speaking. If you've been circumcised, you can live for Jesus. If you haven't been circumcised, you can live for Jesus. Another way of saying it is no matter your circumstance, God can work in your life. No matter your past, no matter your pain, no matter your hardship, no matter what you've walked through, God can work in your life. God can work in your life. A slave can please God, a free man can please God. But don't remain in a sinful pattern is what he's saying. Live, in a new, live as a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Live as a new creation in Christ. So again, he's gonna address being married, single, widowed, divorced, faith in marriage. We're gonna hit all these as we walk through this. Let's start with marriage. This is what he says. You can just scribble down marriage. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, first few verses Remember this as I dive into it. Protestants for some, we contextually, you gotta get contextually why he's saying this. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you're considered to be a Protestant, by the way. Centuries and centuries ago, that came out primarily of Roman Catholic. It's a different way of understanding of who we are in Christ. You don't need another person, right? I am here to instruct and to guide, to speak biblically, and if I don't meet the biblical qualifications, primarily in 1 Timothy chapter three and other places as well, but if I don't and meet those quali uh, qualifications of being a biblical steward and a biblical man, then I should be replaced. But I'm here to guide and to instruct. What they believe is that you go through an, a person in order to receive that forgiveness. You have to profess, they have to give. No, that's Holy Spirit indwelling within you. We all have the presence of God in your life. You don't need another sinner to forgive you. You need the person who conquered sin to forgive you. And if you have repented, he already has. See, I'm telling you, even marriage, divorce, singleness, all this, it can be fun, can it? And then to, it, you're all going, this is so much fun, right? It's the word of God. 
And it teaches us and it guides us. So now he steps in and knowing that Protestants came out from this Catholic umbrella. And for some reason, when we did that, we brought the idea that sexual activity is, is somewhat inherently sinful. We have, in, we have allowed that to infiltrate the church and our understanding. It's not, it's beautiful. There's two things we, help, we hate speaking about. What are they? Money and sex. Somebody, and it was only one of you, but they were enthusiastic. Money and sex, we don't like talking about it. You wanna know why? Because that's where our identity is typically caught up and we don't want anybody to know our true identity. Think Scarlet Letter, you ever read the Scarlet Letter? Do they still make kids read in school? The Scarlet, like good books, the Scarlet Letter? Like it, it'll, it'll get you. The truth is that God created sex to be enjoyed in the context of marriage. And this was all news to them. It's nothing to be ashamed of, but in the context of marriage, right? And I think what happened is because people were so, sometimes were so fearful of messing up that what they did is they just said, we can't have it then, we can't do it, we can't do it. And it started making people just feel guilty. And now he's going, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Let's look, I love this. And, 1 Corinthians, this is a fun part, four, 4 and 5. 1 Corinthians 7, 4 and 5. He's addressing all this and conjugal rights and all these things and the husband and wife should be together. And it says the husband should give to, to his wife conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. Verse 3 and then verse 4 and 5 says, for the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. That's why I get so upset with me. See, that's just not right. The, the wife doesn't have responsibility over her own body. The husband does. That's messed up. I said, have you read the next part? They're like, no. I'm like, likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. And they just go, oh, never mind. I'm just going, don't you know that God has created you to be in that relationship together and to give yourself to each other? It's amazing. And the, the struggle we're having is we're giving ourselves to other relationships. I, I, I know I always speak about pornography and lust because 98% of you can resonate with it. Those are the percentages. <laughs> the, problem, the biggest issue with it is that's only done with your eyes. And as a result of that being eyes only, now you're assuming that if things don't meet a certain appearance rather than something that was a gift from God, then it's all screwed up. So you've messed up the understanding of marriage and the beauty of it together. Sexual desires are good, but in the context of marriage, right? And now he's jumping in and he just tells them, man, don't, don't you know what I've done? He says, don't, don't even deprive, verse five, don't even deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. He's gonna say that singleness is better. This is what Paul says, because he's saying, he's going, don't you know singleness is better than being married? Now don't say amen to that if you're married. But he's letting them know why, because no matter if you're married, single, divorced, anything, your life should be identified with Christ and you wanna be fully sold out. Your greatest interest should be serving Jesus. Doesn't matter what you're doing. 
And so now I'm free to do whatever I want. Don't you know, I don't have to deal with a wife or a husband and I don't have to deal with all these kids and having to make sure that you care for them. And in this chapter, he addresses it. Listen, if you've got a wife, you're, de- you're dealing with the desires at the very end of the chapter, you're dealing with the desires of the world and having to make sure you care for them and your greatest interest sometimes isn't Jesus. Your marriage should still be where you're going, man, our greatest interest is still Jesus collectively together because it's a lot of work. Kids, take energy, they take money, right? And they can just absorb all of your, they can suck the life out of you, amen? But it's a beautiful thing. I laugh about it because it's a reality, but that's when you draw strength from the Lord. And so you wanna teach them to do the same thing. I teach that all the time, I, I, I talk about it all the time. If you're a great parent, I think people are like, how do you parent? You teach rather than correct. It doesn't mean you don't correct, but if you always find yourself correcting, it's likely because you haven't been teaching along the way. And so he's saying, hey, listen, give yourself to each other. Singleness is better, but hey, in the context of marriage, give yourself to each other. You should never withhold yourself. Men and women, especially women, sex is never a weapon. That's what it says. It is never to be used as, against someone as punishment to with, withhold it or to get what you want. That's what he says. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by, so don't, except by agreement for a limited time. That means the two of you hold hands and go, hey, we need to rely on the Lord right now. We're gonna fast for just a season and then we're gonna agree upon that. That's what it says. Men, you're welcome. No, really, right? Because it's not a weapon. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Primary theme of this chapter, one of them is, hey, listen, for some of those of you who can exercise self-control with sexual desires and you can do that in the context of singleness and you don't have to give yourself to that, that's awesome because God can use that in an awesome, beautiful way. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when he's talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual gifts, this is the same word that he used for gifts here in terms of the ability to be able to be single, the gift of singleness. That's powerful, friends. It's the same word. But in West Michigan specifically, average man when they get married in the United States of America today, what's the average age of a man? 29 and a half. Average age of a woman is like 27, 27 and a half. In West Michigan, it's 12. Now, what we've done is we've, we've grown up and sometimes we've instituted pro, uh, practices that aren't always accompanying the word of God. So here, what do you do? You go to middle school and right before high school, what do you do? You get married. And I'm kidding, yes, kind of. And we get married really young and that's, and, and, and I get it. And I say, we, even though I'm not from here, cause I've been here for so long now. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm a Michigander. And so we, we recognize it and we go, man, we, we gotta, just gotta be careful. We gotta be careful because in everything, our greatest identity is to be used by God. But what we want, even as grandpa, we want our, we want our grandkids to get married and have, or we want our kids to get married so that they can have grand what? Grandbabies. For, stop asking your children to hurry up to have grandbabies. Stop, 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 stop. Maybe God wants to use them in this season of singleness or in a marriage in order to send them somewhere else that they would not go otherwise in order to foster a movement for the kingdom of God. 
And so, yeah, marriage can be tough, but singleness today, we've made it tougher than it needs to be. He's saying, listen, find your fulfillment in me. Don't exhibit that sexual desire with other people. Marriage is intended to be in the midst, or I'm sorry, sex in the, in, in the midst of marriage. And so you've got to recognize this. And he's telling them, listen, being single, I know can be tough. Even then, because the average, listen, expectancy was in the 40s and that's how you had kids. So Paul's speaking very counterculturally. More and more, I'm preaching counterculturally, not because the message is different. The word of God is the word of God. But when I started preaching 30 years ago, it was a very different people than it is today in this nation. And he's talking to people who have no awareness at all of any of this. And so he's having to teach them. And when you teach someone something new, let me tell you right now, they can be a bit abrasive toward you. And when you tell someone something that's different than what they're currently doing, they can be a bit abrasive toward you. But Paul's telling them, man, don't you understand that even being single can be a gift? Why? Because you can have more time and more energy and you can be great, more greatly devoted to the Lord in some regards. That's what he tells us. Six through nine, he addresses this in seven, six through nine, also 25 through 38. Those are great passages to look at, to, to look at what he says to be single. Right, even, let me, let me jump over to, to, to 36 through 38, because I think, and I'll come back, and I know I'm all over the place, but there's one primary theme, right? No matter singleness, divorce, or anything else, give yourself to Christ, abide in Christ, be most devoted to Christ, no matter what it is. Don't stop holding other people captive to their previous mistakes. They are a child of God. And he says, if anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes, let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart being under no necessity, but having his desire under control and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well. It's saying, listen, if you have the strong urge and desire, get together and be married. Because right before that, what he even says is, listen, I want you to be free of anxieties. He says this in verse 32. I want you to be, don't stop getting stretched on the wrong things. Just make sure you're devoted to Jesus Christ. Now, all this matters, but he's gonna teach differently about it in Ephesians chapter five. Jesus addresses it in Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five, when he begins, he says, listen, you shouldn't divorce outside of adultery. He's just giving them guidance. Pharisees don't even like this very much about marriage and divorce stuff because in Matthew chapter 19, the first half of Matthew chapter 19, that's what he's doing. He's like, hey, listen, here come the Pharisees, the religious leaders. They wanted to trap him. Remember they weighed everything against Moses? And he says, hey, what do you think about divorce? That's what they say to him. What, what, what do you think about divorce? Hey, at some point, they're gonna recognize that Jesus was a lot smarter than they are. He's like, they ask him, is it lawful to divorce for any reason? And Jesus says, have you not read that he who made them in the beginning, a man and a woman, become, they, they become flesh, one flesh together? And it says, let, let not man separate anything that God has joined together. And so he just calls it out. And they respond by saying, yeah, but Moses commanded. Well, first of all, that's what they said. Moses commanded. No, Moses did not command. He gave permission for a divorce in the midst of adultery, but he didn't command it. He did not command it. And so now they started manipulating the words in order to speak what they wanted to speak. We do that all the time. We allow Satan to plant seeds like that and it messes with us. And as a result, we're the ones often living as slavery to our own 
captivity. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, he says, just don't let man separate from his wife, period. Fight for it. Now, if something's happening and you've gotten divorced, move beyond it and still live for Jesus. Some of you need to move beyond the divorce and the failure and the struggle that you've had there and know that, yeah, I think there are a lot of things that maybe could have been done different, but guess what? The, even for the divorce, there is freedom in Jesus. You gotta hear it. Even for those who have struggled with lust and pornography, guess what there is? Everybody say freedom in Jesus. Even for those who are single, guess what there is? Yeah. And Paul's letting you know, for some of you, man, that's even better. You know what being single means? It means you don't have to ask for permission when you want a new motorcycle. Amen? <laughs> like, she's just flat. She said, no. I said, you haven't even heard. She goes, I already know what you're going to say. I'm like, you haven't heard me out? God spoke to me, not the same God. <laughs> right? You know. I, so can you guys pray about that right now? And I'm just kidding. Being single is better because you can focus on Jesus. And being a widow, like um, my mom is here today. She never, as I said, she doesn't get to come much. And um, she lost, we lost my father years ago. And sometimes I, I look at that and it can be hard for somebody to move beyond the grief. But friends, you can still, if you're a widow, you can still live in the joy of the Lord. Your greatest identity is a child of God, not as being a widow. Notice I'm saying that, I want you to hear that. It's hard, I know. But allow yourself to know the joy of the Lord and not simply live in the grief. Please. So he calls out singles, he calls out widows. He even refers to them in, in verse 25, he refers to them all, he, he refers to all single people as virgins. Now we, we refer to that differently today. And he says, I have no commandment from the Lord for you, yet I give judgment. He knows he's dealing with life situations that are differing for each person to person. And he's giving them advice to be rooted deep in the word of God. That's um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 20, 29 through 31. To be rooted deep in scripture and not in any preconceived notion of who you think you are now. He says, the time is short. Give yourself to the eternal that's what he says, 29 through 31. The time is short, give yourself to the eternal. It reminds me of uh, Psalm 39, verse five. I wanna scribble, if you scribble Psalm 39, verse five, um, right? It's, it's all about living for, not giving yourself to live according to the world, but for Christ, right? This, this world is passing away. Give yourself to that which is eternal and how you see yourself, how you identify with Christ and what your greatest interests are. 10 through 12, he addresses that very divorce that I spoke about that Jesus already mentioned. In verse 10 and 11, he says, to the married, I give this charge. The wife should not separate from her husband. If she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband and the husband should not divorce his wife. Fight to be in unity together, fight for it. And I told you Matthew 5, Matthew 19 is, is being addressed here. One of the biggest issues we have today is a differing faith in marriage. 12 through 16 address this, a differing faith in marriage. 
meaning one of you is a believer and a lover of Jesus, one is not. Now, if you're single and hopefully you're enjoying singleness, yes, you should be enjoying singleness. Of being able to, to like, we have all these mission trips. We go all over the place. In the last month, I think we've been on four different continents. Like we're going all over the place. Just jump on every trip. You can do whatever you want. Go serve the Lord and see what God really wants for you and what he has in store for you. That's what I would tell you to do. So you should be enjoying this, but a lot of times you end up getting married. And if you're single, I'm also gonna tell you, don't, don't date someone who isn't a lover of Jesus if you claim to be a lover of Jesus. Because yes, this scripture very clearly says 15 and 16. Hopefully you can influence 14 and 15. Um, it says, hopefully the husband can influence his wife to become a lover of Jesus. Hopefully the wife can influence a husband to become a lover of Jesus, but you don't know if that's gonna happen. That's your goal. That's what you wanna be praying for. But if you marry someone who has a different interest in you, it's just hard. Right, I remember even my wife, I met her and right away, this was a long time ago, right? And I met her and I told her right away, I was like, you're gonna marry me? And she's like, uh, what's your name again? And <laughs> not far from truth. I'm like, I just, cause I saw her and I was like, oh my goodness, like, I'm just saying. Um, and. And she's like, again, like, what, Joe? I'm like, Joel. Um, and finally, um, she said yes. And she's like, yeah, but you want to be a pastor. Like, you are a pastor. I was already pastoring when I met her. And, um, and she's like, I don't know. Like, back then, because if you're a pastor's wife back then, that means you had to, like, know how to play the organ. And she just said, I don't know how to play the organ. <laughs> I am true story. And I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll take a class. I don't, I don't know what to say. <laughs> It's just not far from truth. That's the sad thing. I was so stupid. And, uh, and so I'm just like, she, she's asking me. She's like, I don't, I don't, that means you're going to go, I know. I, you're going to go, you just moved here because you're going to go wherever the Lord asks you. I said, yeah. She goes, I didn't, she didn't have those plans. Right? Her plans were to stay in Louisville where she's from or maybe move to Nashville because that's not, far, that's not far away and that's the hip place to be, I guess. It's called traffic. It wasn't to move as soon as we had our first baby. As soon as we had the first baby, I get a phone call, literally like a month old. Connecticut, I'm like, honey, I think we gotta go to Connecticut. She's like, we just had a baby. My family lives a mile away. I'm like, I know. But if you don't have the same interest, it doesn't work that way. Some of you need to be praying right now in your marriage that God would give you and your spouse the same interest, which is to be sold out to Jesus regardless of what he asks, because that's living for the eternal and not the temporary. Man, I want you to be free from all these anxieties. And so you need to be praying for that. He's like, the unmarried man, this is what he says in 32 through 35. He addresses unmarried man and unmarried woman the same way. He says, listen, the unmarried man or woman, they don't have the same anxieties about the things of life. Their whole thing is just getting, being devoted to the Lord. He's like, but the married man or the married woman, this is what he says, 32 through 35. They're, they're primarily concerned with making sure that they're caring for the people around them rather than being devoted to the Lord. You just gotta be careful so that even as being married, you can still be mostly devoted to the Lord and not get distracted that you're running the same race.
you need to call out to God. That's the biggest issue I see today. We get women, we have hundreds and hundreds of women involved in women's Bible studies, right? And I know that in those stories, there's a lot that probably go, man, I wish my husband wanted to know as much about Jesus as I do. That the interest that they have is not the same primary interest that their husbands have. And by the way, it goes the opposite direction as well. That one of you is going, I'm sold. Don't you know, I wanna be sold out to Jesus, whatever Jesus wants. And that your spouse is even going, man, yeah, I love Jesus too, but it's not your primary interest. And one of the reasons it's not your primary interest is because some of you are so consumed by living according to the past failures and how you've been treated and being in divorce or maybe being single or how you're treated even in other relationships. I told you that's the key to life. And that you're not allowing yourself to leave the captivity of who you were to live in the freedom to who God has called you to be and to have your identity in Jesus. Stop letting the world dictate how you think of yourself. Let Jesus dictate how you think of yourself. You are his child. It'll change everything for you. So here's the thing. Regardless of your marriage, regardless of being single, regardless of being divorced in everything, including sexual desire, everything should be a means of worship. So he's communicating. Means all words, all actions in marriage and outside of marriage, regardless of the circumstance should do two things. They should conform to the word of God Stop letting your desire take precedence over God's will. Oof, oof. Everybody say oof. Yeah, you know that'll hit you. Stop letting your desire take precedence over God's will. Fight for that. Watch him redeem you. Watch him renew you. Watch him restore you. So it should conform to God's word and second, it should submit to biblical love and care. Some of you, some of you need to stop holding other people according to who they were rather than seeing them for who they are. And yeah, he, taught, he concludes by speaking about people who would arrange marriages and he's addressing that because I already told you the majority of them got married for social or political reasons. And he's letting them know, friends, I know you've not heard this before, but your greatest interest should be devotion to the Lord. Your greatest love should be devotion to the Lord. And he's just calling it out. And what I wanna, I just wanna pray for you because I think there's so many in this room today, you're going, oh man, he's talking about marriage and singleness and all this stuff again. Like what's going on? It's just the word of God. But the thing is we need to hear it because so many of you think of yourself only based on that. If you're single, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but if you're single, know this, you have just as much worth as somebody who's married. So stop letting Satan tell you that you don't. That's what he's saying here. Give me a hallelujah or something. Because there's a bunch of singles in West Michigan who need to hear that. Some of you have been divorced. Like, I can't use them anymore. I'm horrible. I'm a failure. It's a lie of Satan. God is in the business of redemption and restoration. That's what he does better than anybody else. That's a pile of crap. 
And if you're making somebody else live a life of guilt because of a mistake they made that they've already been forgiven of by the almighty God, get behind them. You're a child of God. You have been forgiven if you have called upon his name in repentance and he will save. Call out in repentance and he will save. So Lord, I'm praying for the people in this room. Some of them are single and they're going, I don't, I don't have the same value. Let them know they have the same value before the almighty. Some of them are going, no, you don't understand. I'm a widow and I'm living in grief and they don't know how to live in the joy. Let them know what it is to live in the joy of the Lord. Some of them have been divorced and they're going, I've messed up. Let them know they've messed up, but you have restored and redeemed. Let them know what it is to not be held captive by the anxieties of this world, but to give them their energy, to give their resources, to give their heart, to give their mind, to give their thinking, to give their words, to give their actions to an eternal purpose. May we find freedom in Christ, hope in Christ, rest in you because there are some in this place that are hurting and they're tired. And they don't know how to escape all of those, all of the past circumstances. God, let them know in this circumstance, they can serve the Lord. In Christ's name, amen.